So cystic fibrosis is a, a respiratory disorder that results from inheriting a particular gene that stays in the system and gets mutated. Um, it is characterized by mucus secretion into the airway that will increase and become very thick, tenacious, and it leads to mechanical obstruction of viral organs in the body. And this can also cause an increase in organic and enzymatic constituents in the saliva. Um, there will be increase of sodium and chloride in the body. There will be increase or uh, there will be some autonomous nervous system abnormalities. Now, for this condition, there are a few things I want to remember very well. One, it is an airway problem. It is airway condition. It is airway disorder or dysfunction. Two, there is mucus secretion. There is mucus secretion. Um, secretion in the viral organs. One, you have it in the airway. That's one. You're going to also get secreted in the pancreas. The pancreas is affected. The pancreas will have this take secretion. It will also be secreted in the liver. Um, it can also affect the small intestines, small intestine, and it can affect uh, the reproductive organ, reproductive organs. These are the most common area that CF can affect when we encounter when we encounter the problem. Now, when this occurs, it increases the amount of uh, the amount of sodium and chloride in the sweat. So, when you are sweating, there will be increase. There will be increase in our sweat. Sorry, there will be increased sodium, increased sodium and chloride in our sweat when we have CF. We'll have that. We'll have that occurring. And uh, and then also our ANS will be abnormal. Their function will not be known. So these are common things I want us to remove for cystic fibrosis. Now, it is important that we remove these things. Because in the end class, they will ask us for these definition for the condition. If you know what the condition is, you know what is the definition for the condition, you will have an other advantage to look at the symptoms that are going to occur with it. Now, um, there are a few symptoms that we're going to see. One of those symptoms is, let's look at, let's look at the airway, because only we we're discussing the airway. So the airway becomes our concern. That's why it affects our system, but our concern becomes the airway. Now, for this condition, when there's an airway obstruction from cystic fibrosis, patient is going to have a wrong kind heard on auscultation. They might have wheezes on auscultation. Um, they are also going to have a dry and non-productive cough. There will be dry and there will be non-productive cough. These are the earliest symptoms for this condition. Um, there will be increased involvement. If it stays longer and, and, and there's nothing done about it, there will be increased involvement of the entire respiratory system. 
Then we're going to have uh, Disney coming. They will have Disney at the beginning. Uh, they wouldn't have Disney, but as the condition progresses, other surrounding tissues along the airway become affected. Disney kicks in. Then they're going to have a uh, paroxysma cough. They will have emphysema and active. Like I said, will be seen on X-ray. So they will have emphysema. Emphysema, they will have that. Then they will have atelectasis, atelectasis on the X-ray. They will have it on the X-ray. So they do, they will be like the, the lung tissue will be like collapsing. There will be stickiness of the lung tissue together. The lungs cannot expand and contract when you are breathing. So you're gonna see that indicated atelectasis. Um, then they're gonna keep advancing. In the advanced stage, they're going to have barrack chest because they're not breathing well. The lungs, uh, the lungs are not expanding, so their chest will be like up. They will have this huge chest wall, which is called barrack chest. We'll have barrack chest in if advanced stage. We're going to experience the entire body becomes cyanotic because the air is not. Uh, it's not extending well. They are not putting out CO2 to take in O2. So in that situation, what are they going to have? Are they going to have alkalosis or acid or acid or acid or, or acid doses? Which one are they going to have? If you have CF, what what are you going to have in CF condition? Acidosis. Why? Why? Because they're not having enough oxygen. Okay, so, there, so so there is not enough oxygen, so the so 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 the body will trap CO two. As the body traps more CO two, we are having respiratory acidosis. Any condition that involve obstruction of the airway system, that is a respiratory acidosis condition. Then uh, they're going to also have clubbing of the of the toes, nails, and fingernails. And they will have multiple episodes of bronchopneumonia or bronchitis. These are the marked features of CF. Any question on these features? Now, um, every other system will have different involvement. When it attacks the GI tract, there will be mucus formation along the alimentary canal or along the GI tract. Um, you're going to have Bulky, greasy, large, foul-smelling stool. Uh, when you attack the GI tract, there will be voracious appetite in the early stage. Meaning, at the, early, at the at the beginning of this condition in attacking the GI tract, you're gonna have huge appetite at the beginning. But in late stage, you will have lots of appetite or decreased appetite. So two things happening in the early stage: there will be increased appetite. In the late stage, there will be decrease or no appetite at all. You're going to have, uh, you wouldn't gain weight because you're not eating. You don't have appetite. So there will be no weight gain in the condition in the late stage. There will be delayed growth pattern for the for the children. There will be abnormal distension. Your arms and legs will become thin. And there will be deficiency of fat, small vitamins. So when this is, this is occurring, they addict the A, D, E, K. The vitamin A, vitamin D, vitamin E, vitamin K are called the fat soluble vat of the fat soluble vitamins. Now, these fat soluble vitamins, 
they are mostly synthesized in the GR tract. So, so, so when we have CF of the GR tract, this vitamin cannot be synthesized. So we'll have vitamin, uh, uh, vitamin A, D, K deficiency in our system. That's what happened in here. And then eventually it will lead to, it will lead to anemia. Uh, if it attacks the, the, the integumentary system, the skin, and other accessory organs, there will be increased sweat gland, tears, and saliva. There will be high increase, and there will be your skin will become salty because we said it is marked by increased sodium. This condition is marked by increased sodium and what and chloride. So when you have it, the skin will become sweaty, salty. There will be increased chloride or, or uh, increased chloride production in the body. You also going to have um, the skin will taste very salty. Those are things you're going to see in the viral organs. There are a lot we want to do for this condition. Um, in every condition in the end class, when you are reading your book, these are common things you want to make sure you know them very well. What lab cannot do with these with these conditions? What are the treatment? What are the most common nursing management? Sometimes you want to close your books and ask yourself, uh, what I have read? What are the most common symptoms for these things I have read? You want to make sure and ask this question and know them. For the most common lab uh, test we want to do, we'll do blood specimen to detect fat soluble vitamins deficiency, which include vitamin A, vitamin D, and vitamin K. You want to know what these vitamins uh, you have them enough. If they do, if you do not have them, that means you are having cystic fibrosis. Um, then you will do uh, sputum culture. So you do the blood test, um, you do blood specimen, you do sputum specimen or sputum culture. Um, you can also do DNA testing to know whether uh, it was is a genetic, whether you got it from your parent or who you got it from, it's important to know that. For the lungs, we'll do the PFT, the pulmonary function test. The lungs will do the PFT pulmonary function tests. So we we'll do this test to know whether our lungs are functioning well, how well our lung can function. Then we will do chest x-ray. And on the chest x-ray, we want to find what we call atelectasy on the chest x-ray. Please put your phone on mute. Please put your phone on mute, please. So on the chest x-ray, we'll see our uh, x-ray atelectasy cell will be seen on the x-ray um which can uh which can indicate there is uh there is emphysema or there is diffuse chest wall you're going to find that on the chest x-ray we can also do abdominal x-ray for the for the children they're going to have what we call abdominal ileus they will have uh we'll do the abdominal x-ray and they, 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 they're going to have uh, a meconium ileus. So we'll do abdominal x-ray. And they're going to have meconium ileus. I-L-E-U-S. Meconium ileus. Now, in the end class, you, you got to remember what you are looking for in these tests. Because they're going to ask you, 
a patient who presents with these symptoms, they are having large greasy stool that is foul smelling, and uh, they did an X-ray. The patient presents with meconium ileus on the X-ray. What condition does the nurse anticipate for this child to be diagnosed of? So these things we are writing, you have to know them to know that these conditions have these symptoms. And you have to align these symptoms with the conditions to really be in the right place and read them well and know what you are doing. That's why I'm going through this step by step. Then we can do two analysis. Um, there will be fats and enzymes in the stool. Um, we will document three days to analysis. Three days to analysis. So for this condition, we do 72 hours stool analysis. Please remember this very well. 72 hours stool analysis. Can you put your phone on mute, please? Now, if you don't put your phone on mute, if I, if you know, I'm, I, I, I'm, I'm going to just pause the clock, just cut you off because this, this is embarrassing. We can't be teaching any background not be disturbing. So if you can put your phone on mute, every time I have to hear yeah, noise from someone on the phone, then I have to just go and call it off. Now, so you'll do 72 hours to analysis to make sure. So make sure you cannot miss any stool that the patient will pass during this period. So if so if if it is a, if it is an infant, gotta make sure everywhere you go, you collect a container of you in your bag that whenever time the infant passes stool, you collect the stool sample and put it in the container and close it and put it somewhere. After the twenty-two hours, then they will do the test for the stool. Um, we we'll make sure we we'll do the sweat chloride test. Um, this, in this test for the sweat chloride test for our ends mainly. We'll do the sweat chloride test. Now this test, there's a need would know how the test can can be can be can be performed. In this test, the child must be well hydrated to ensure accurate test results. So the child needs to drink enough fluid. Without enough fluid, the test will not show accurate results. That's the first prep for this chloride test. The child needs to ingest enough fluid to be well hydrated and will collect the sweat from two different sites for adequate sample. We will expect that, that the range of this chloride test should be less than 40 milligrams per liter and the student is 70. So we we'll do the chloride test. This will give us a result of both the chloride and the sodium. Now, to be normal for the uh, for the chloride, it should be less than forty. For the sodium, it should be less than seventy. These are the normal findings for the sweat chloride test after the test has been done. Now, they said diagnostic. Uh, the test will confirm that the chloride is higher than 40 for infant less than 3 months and above 60 for all others. So infants that are less than 3 months or neonates, for neonates, this should be less than 30 for neonates. Meaning from zero, to, from 0 to 3 months, it should be less than, um, it should be less than 40. Then, uh, 
for the correct test greater than 40 for infant less than three months of age so it should be above 40 i'm sorry it should, it should be above 40 for infant let uh for infant or limit less than three months it should be above 40 then uh for individuals who at any other age if it's above 60 meaning they have the condition meaning the condition is positive in the test so we want to have tests less than this amount to be normal if it's above 40 for for newness meaning they have cf if it's above 60 for every individual who above the age of three months and above they need to have uh the test done it's going to be above 70 meaning they have the condition so these are these are findings you want to make sure you understand for cystic fibrosis any question the nursing care uh we want to make sure we assess the lung sounds because we said when the cystic fibrosis the patient will have a uh, wrong car they will have wheezes and they will have oh they will have both of these adventitious lung sounds occurring when they have cystic fibrosis um we'll do the virus sound with the o2 saturation we obtain IV site. We we'll make sure we obtain sputum for culture and for CNS. Provide support to the child and their family. For the lungs management, which is very important because we are dealing with the the airway. We want to make sure we assist in providing airway clearance therapy (ACT). For the nursing management, we we'll, we'll provide ACT airway clearance therapy. In another means, what I would do, chest physiotherapy, we do cough assist. Our goal is to clear the airway. We could suction, we could raise the bare hair, position it in a way in, in a way that will clear the airway. And all these positioning that want to help us to clear the airway is what we do to help them. We want to make sure we um every time we serve meals. Now, for those who have cold, those who have cough, those who have like a, some mucus in their lungs, whenever they eat any food, that's when they sort of they sort of cough to clear their throat. Because once you eat with food into the system, the food can stimulate um, the mucus to get secreted more. So, individuals who having cystic fibrosis, the best time to clear their their, their airway is after food after eating. So. Right after, um, after meal, you want to clear the airway. Right after meal, you want to do the ACT. So do ACT immediately after feeding the patient. If it's a baby, if, if it's an infant or a neonate, make sure to do the ACT therapy right after feeding. It's important to do that. You want to make sure they have different methods that we use to clear the airway for the pulmonary management. You have that about the CPT, the chest physiotherapy is one of the ways we do one, the chest physiotherapy, physiotherapy, the CPT, CPT, and um, this test meaning it is done. There are two ways it can be done. We can use our the cup of our of, of our of, of our palm to beat the chest wall both uh, posteriorly. And ventrally, beat the chest wall. Patient gets on, on left lateral side. You beat the left, the rest of the chest, at the back and the front. 
you flip them to the right lateral side and beat the left side, both the front and the back of the chest wall, at least for five minutes. Then you see that the chest will be the chest wall will get loosened, and this take mucus secretion. Now, the reason why a lot of these things when I'm studying, a lot of these things I wouldn't do them. To be frank with you, now the reason is you gotta study smart. Um, take for example, when a medication gonna cause dry mouth. If any pills you take causes dry mouth. What do you do to, to to prevent or to to help this dry mouth? You get ice chips, right? Get ice chip, you chew sugarless gum, sugarless gum. Hmm? That's the management. And then medication that are gonna cause constipation. What do you do for constipation? You make sure you increase high fiber diet high fibers in your diet, you increase fluid intake, fluid intake. You see that? Now, the one that cause like a dehydration, you, you increase fluid intake, eat, eat a lot of vegetables, other things. Now, those can help. Now, these are universal management for general problems. Now, so if I was studying about the medication, anti-colonetic uh, uh, agent the, uh, these agents they can cause dry mouth i do not have to read this nursing management because i already know that once there's a dry mouth these are things we do for dry mouth so if i'm doing if i'm studying on the condition cystic fibrosis and uh, this condition is going to affect the chest or the or the airway there will be increased mucus in the area for this condition. I do not have to study chest CPT because I know when there is when there is increased mucus in the chest, I will do few procedures, and I will also give certain medication that is there, just very bounding. Because in the case of asthma, there will be mucus secretion in the chest that going to cause airway obstruction. So what do we do? We clear the chest airway. We give bronchodilators, we give short acting beta agonist medication, we give long acting. Now, in any condition in nursing that will cause the same manifestation, the same treatment is required. So, for that reason, I do not have to waste my time reading this same thing over if I know the management for one of these conditions and found all other conditions. So, in this, in, in, in this, in, in this situation, it's almost like asthma. For the airway because in asthma there is increased mucus production in the case of asthma and we do almost the same things for asthmatic patients so once it is applied to asthmatic patient it should be applied to patient who having cystic fibrosis because if we look at condition that cause airway obstruction we'll call one copd two asthma three cystic fibrosis four emphysema all those conditions fall on a regulatory acid condition in abgs so they all have the same management or similar management there will be slight differences with the management and there will be slight symptoms or signs with the with their manifestations so these are things when you really gotta like make sure and collect these things and just mark those differences between them or among them 
to to get you way to get you to way, to get you to where you want to go very fast. So you're gonna have these things occurring. You wanna make sure they can use also PEP, the, the positive respiratory therapy. They're gonna use after the CPT. They're gonna go ahead and also use the PE uh, the PEP, positive respiratory uh, therapy or according PEP or PEP. There's a device we use. It has a flutter on it. It helps to clear mucus. We gotta encourage people to breathe with force. So you put it in your mouth and you have to breathe. <sighs> that breathing with force will help to clear the mucus from the, from the chest. We use the PEP. We can also use the active cycle of breathing, such as <sighs> to help the clear to, to huff. We call it huffing. We do the active cycle of breathing, which is called huffing. We do huffing. So like you want to cough but the cough cannot come up <sighs> so you huff the cough out so that huffing can be done to clear the, clear the chest the, to clear the air without huffing is what we call the active cycle of breathing technique we call the active cycle of breathing technique so these things can be done to clear the airway we go ahead, we can do the autogenic drainage where we use uh, the chest vibrator. So wear a chest vest, it's almost like CPT. You wear the vest, you plug the vest and the vest vibrates. Those chest vibrations help to, to pile up or to assemble the secretion in the chest and bring them toward, toward the central airway. Then we could use the cup assist machine or suction machine and remove it from the central airway. Those are things we do for our patients. We can also do a high frequency chest compression where we use chest device combined with nebulized uh, therapy. Like we can do in the case of our asthma also can be done here. We can administer bronchodilators. Um, we can also, now, for this condition, you wanna make sure, you wanna make sure you administer the aerosol therapy first before you can use the other medication. So you go in, you um, use the aerosol therapy as prescribed. It could be bronco, it could be bronco dietas medications in them, or it could be other medication that you can that you're gonna use or like antibiotics. Then now uh, you do physical therapy um, before you can go ahead and remove the secretion from in the patient's chest. So you can do that with the cup assist or other means that are gonna help you to pull out those mucus that was get secreted into the chest airway. Now, for the GI tract, you make sure you give well-balanced diet that are high in protein and calorie. You give three meals a day with snacks. You encourage enough fluid intake. You administer pancreatic enzyme at least once they've eaten, 30 minutes after eating, you want to administer these enzymes to help to loosen up the chest wall. You want to make sure you administer vitamin supplement because they will have vitamin A, vitamin D, vitamin E, vitamin K deficiency. So you give food that are high in those vitamins, which we call the fat soluble vitamins. Now, then we will go ahead with administer laxative, stool something because they're going to also have constipation for GI 
for the GR condition to have constipation. Um, we can administer other formula. We consult, we consult the dietitian for the medications. We we'll also administer the 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 SABA S A B A medication. We did we did in in the when we were doing uh asthma. For the treatment, we can administer SABA S A B A, the short acting beta agonist. So you have them like the abiterol. Those are short acting beta agonists. We're gonna administer. We can also administer the the cholinergic agents. Cholinergic agent, or we call them the anti-cholinergic medication. These medications they can cause dry mouth. Um, example for them you have like uh, the apatropium bromide. Those those are examples under there. We can also administer the long acting like the samiturol, or we can give the fluticasone propionate. They can also help to clear the airway. For this medication. They can cause tremors. They can cause uh, tachycardia. You want to make sure you look them up. They can cause dry mouth. Both of them for the apra for the apratropium. Apratropium. They can it, it causes dry mouth. So it causes dry mouth. So you make sure patient have ice check, which can help. They increase their fluid. They can also take in uh, gum that contains no sugar. To chew to help them to create more saliva to moisturize the G or their mouth or or the pharynx. Um, they can use MDI. They can use MDI. Meter dose inhaler. I gave you this last week. They can use the PEP. I just talked about. They can also use nebulizer. So for the nebulizer, we can put a. Uh, in a canister, it comes with canister, it comes with a with a face mask. It comes with canister, a face mask, and a little uh, machine that we pluck and put it on and we enter the medication into the canister. It could be bronco it could be bronchodilators, it could be antibiotics, it could be any other medication that will help to what to clear the, 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 the airway. So we can use it in nebulizers. So these are things you want to go ahead and read over them and know the pressure. We can also give sometimes like uh, like a DPI dry powder inhaler. Look at that also. Um. Also, we can give the Donis Alpha. Donis Alpha D O R N A S E. The Donis Alpha. It is a medication that can help to loosen the secretion in the airway. This helps to loosen the secretion. Or the mucus in the airway. This Donis Alpha. Um, this medication uh, it improves the lungs function. It clears away those lung sounds, those adventitious lung sounds we hear. Know your lung sounds and know how to recognize them. Because sometimes in the end class, they will give you a sound to recognize whether it is it, whether it is crackles, wheezes, ronchi, or it is normal breath sound like bronchovesicular. Know what the normal breath sounds are and know what are the abnormal breath sounds. Um, then you want to make sure you provide education how to use the nebulizer. You also administer it once before they can be able to know it. In every endless question that has to do with uh, you putting in 
your best to understand how a procedure is done. The nurse, the RN needs to provide teaching and you need to ask the patient to re-demonstrate what was taught. If they can re-demonstrate it, meaning that they can do it on their own, but they have to provide re-demonstration of whatsoever procedure that you will help them to do or to, you will teach them. Any question? Now, under here, in, in the Sanders, you want to look at uh, the entire Sanders pediatrics on the regulatory system. You have epiglottitis. In epiglottitis, um, it can be also called, it's a bacterial form of croup, the croup disease. It's a bacterial croup. Um, they have a viral type for it also. Um, it is affecting most of the children between two to eight years. It has an abrupt onset and the condition can occur most often in winter. Um, it is considered a medical emergency because it can cause rapid or uh, an acute respiratory distress for the epiglottitis. So if you read your book, in your Sanders, epiglottitis, it is a medical emergency. Epiglottitis. Because it causes discomfort, it causes acute uh, breathing discomfort. That's why it's, it is considered, that's why it is, that's why it consider, um, that's why it consider this. Hello? Um, it depends on the book you are using. It could be on uh, for, for, for my book, it's on page 474 on a pediatric section in the Sunders. But I, I think I'm using the edition 6 of the Sunders, so it's, a, it's the old edition. So if you have a newer one, just go, you look for it on a pediatric and you'll find it on a regular disorders. Yeah. So you want to look at that. Um, like I said, it is a, it is considered a medical emergency. So in the end, they will ask you, the nurse received four telephone calls. Um, patient A, which of the patient in the nurse will call first? A says a patient with asthmatic attack, a patient has asthma. B, the patient has epiglottitis, epiglottitis. C, patient has Kawasaki disease with profuse vomiting and D patient has uh, cystic fibrosis um, which one would a nurse call first asthma is an airway problem and this is also an we have three problems in here that are all airway now this is not an emergency it might cause other conditions that will obstruct the airway but it is not emergency it wouldn't kill the patient on the scene this will kill the patient on the scene because it comes abruptly it is very acute and it has a sudden onset this is a chronic disease that is reversible yes it might kill the patient when, it, when there's a complication but asthma does not kill anybody just on the scene there should be other problems that will come in that will cause it to get complicated. So among these 
among this condition, epigotera it is the medical emergency here that, that needs prompt management. So that could be the correct answer. Then you also look at the assessment. There will be sore throat. There will be uh, inflamed throat. There will be cherry, red, edematous epiglottis. So when you open the mouth, the epiglottis at the back of the at the back of the throat or the pharynx, it will be red, and you will see that red cherry tongue at the back of the throat. Those are cardinal signs for epiglottitis. Um, they're going to have dysphonia. Dysphonia is one of those symptoms you're going to see in here. Dysphonia. They'll have what we call muffled voice. Muffled. They'll have muffled voice. Their, their voice will sound like they are talking in a in a drum, in a container. So their voice will not be very clear. So we call it muffled voice or, dys, or dysphonia. D-Y-S-P-H-O-N-I-A. Dysphonia. They're going to also have um they're going to also have other conditions coming in they will be drooling they will have uh dyspnea they will have retraction of the sternum they'll have inspiratory striders when that can be relieved uh sorry that can be increased by a supine position so if they are in supine position when you reach and having this strider all you do is you change it to a saline position or to a semi-fallow position to help them. Um, they're going to have tachypnea. They will have tachycardia. And they're going to have hypo, hypoxia, hypercapnia. Because why are they having hypercapnia? Now, they are having hypercapnia um, because they are having some uh, obstruction. Then they will have respiratory Acid problem increase in acid. Acidosis will be will be seen in this condition. Then this will lead to hypercapnia. You see this thing happening here. And you want to make sure you define these words and know what these words are. Hypercapnia. All these things are important to know them. You want to make sure the intervention. Now for these patients, for this condition, the most common thing you are sitting doing they will assume what we call the tripod position. The tripod position. They will have their, their hands on their knee and they will bow over like this. Then that's what we call a tripod position. So uh, epiglottitis, it is a medical emergency condition that is marked by patient assuming a tripod position that will relieve their airway obstruction. They're going to have a um, uh, strawberry uh, throat. They will have muffled voice and other symptoms coming in. For the management, we want to make sure we assess their breathing status, their breathing sounds. They're going to have nasal flaring. For the, for the infant, they will have nasal flaring. They will use the diaphragm to breathe. Those are called the accessory muscles because the lungs are congested. The lungs passageway are all obstructed, so they cannot breathe with the lungs adequately. So they will use the diaphragm to breathe. That will call, that's what we call the... Uh, the uh, accessory muscle to help them breathe. For these children, um, they will have decreased pulse oximetry. When you are to do for them temperature, do not use um, the oral route. 
because the breathing through their mouth, if you use the oral route, they're going to cause more problem for the patient. They'll have low pulse oximetry, and uh, they do not, they're going to go on NPO because for these patients, they'll breathe by their mouth. Any food that, that they ingest through their mouth, they're going to be risk at risk for us for aspiration of the food. For this patient, it is more important that you do not leave them alone because they are almost like in a panic attack. When someone is having anxiety, they're having panic attack, you do not leave them unattended. Now, these things, when you see it in the book, these are the, when you read this book, let me front of you, right? I want you to pay attention to the common things. Do not leave this patient unattended because the angler will ask you questions about this particular scenario. A patient is having these symptoms, they might not say epiglottitis. They will give you this, the cardinal symptoms. A patient who is having a strawberry throat, he's in a tripod position. The nurse met a patient in the room and struggling for air. What would the nurse do? A, run and get the O2. Now, the O2 is good for this patient. But the fact that the question says run and get O2, you are running, meaning you will leave them on a thing that becomes the wrong thing. So they will give you the correct answer, but they will add something to the answer that makes the answer wrong. So you do not leave them unattended. Now, this box, uh, this synod book has 90% of what you're going to find in the anchor. They are in this synod book. You need other book. Other books just to add up what you are doing, but you will have everything in this book if you read it well. For these patients, you want to avoid putting them in a tripod position for, for these babies. Because this, I'm sorry, in supine position, I mean, you, you want to avoid placing them in a supine position because this position will affect the breathing status. Do not restrain the child or do not take them away from their mother in this situation. You want to administer IV fluid as prescribed because they're going to be on NPO. You want to make sure you give them nebulized epinephrine, uh, which is called the racemic epinephrine. That's another anchor point, the racemic, R-A-C-E-M-I-C. The racemic epinephrine can be administered to the patient who having, uh, to, to the patient who having uh, epiglottitis. Now, if we suspect that the patient has epiglottitis, there should be no attempts to visualize the posterior pharynx. You can obtain a throat or, or that is any procedure that will make us visualize the, the, the posterior pharynx, like open your mouth wide. Because when you open your mouth, that opening of the mouth will close the pharynx. That's why we do not perform oral temperature with them. Because they're going to close their mouth. And anything that's going to block their airway from the mouth, it is prohibited because at that point in time, they're not breathing well. So anything that has to do with the mouth, it is, should not be done. In the end, they will give you this question about this condition that you will need to do some mouth procedure with this patient. And they will, oh, this, so you have to think logically and be able to avoid those procedures with the mouth when the patient, when the patient is having this, oh, the, the, this problem. Um, otherwise, if you do, they're going to have muscle spasm in the, uh, in the pharynx, which will lead to complete airway occlusion. 
So when the patient has epiglottitis and you do anything with the mouth that causes the mouth to open wide or that will close the pharynx, they're going to cause muscle spasm of the pharynx, muscle spasm. And this spasm will cause immediate airway occlusion, which can cause death instantly. That's why it is considered a medical emergency. Then you also have in your book, you also have laryngotracheobronchitis. Um, it is wherein the larynx, the pharynx, the bronchi are all infected and inflamed. These are all on a croup disorder, croup, C-R-O-U-P. And it is the most common croup disorder, the LTB. It's called LTB, laryngotracheobronchitis. That you might not find in your book, but you know that... Uh, it's in your book, but in your book, they will not call it LTB. It's called LTB, laryngotracheal bronchitis. It is the most common croup disorder, the most common type of croup that you find among children or in pediatrics. Um, most of it affects children who are less than five years old. Um, it can be caused by other viral conditions. Uh, they're going to have, this has a gradual onset. So among the croup this disorder, it is not, this is not emergency because the, the onset is gradual. It has a gradual onset. So in the end class, they're going to put epiglottitis and going to put LTB. That's why the name, the name is big, but epiglottitis is more severe because it's acute. Now in the end class, we want to prioritize acute ahead of chronic this is chronic because the onset is gradual it has a gradual onset the ltb has a gradual onset the epiglottitis it has an acute and or it has a sudden onset because it's acute and sudden it becomes a medical emergency now for the ltb it affects uh now they're going to have the same almost the same or similar symptoms they will have nasal strider or Nasal flaring, they will have use of accessory muscle, they will have airway obstructions, all those things we saw in epiglottitis, we can also see them in LTB, which is very common. Now, for these patients, they will become synodic also, there will be respiratory problem, and they will have respiratory acidosis when they have LTB. We want to make sure we administer humidifier O2 or we give them cool mist. So, for these patients, they will have cool mist, M-I-S-T, or we'll give them humidifier. Um, and they will inhale this the, or the cool air and it will help to release uh the obstruction or or, or, or help to release um the um the strider. Now for these patients. You want to make sure you advise or not advise. Let me tell you what advice. Because in the end, we do not advise. We provide education and provide alternatives. So I don't want to use the word advice. We instruct the patient, the parents, to use a cool air vaporizer at home. So so they can use humidifier that will produce cool air at home. Now this is a condition in which it comes mostly during winter, and you want to make sure sometimes if it's too severe. You open the window and show the patient head outside the window so they can breathe in the cool winter air. It can help them to walk to relax the airway also. For this patient, or if that is if that's not the case, you can open the fridge. You, 
you open the freezer and they put their head into the freezer for a few seconds it also allow it also happen to have a, a, a cool uh, uh, airway or sometimes if that is not the case you move them to, a, to the basement to a cool basement a cool basement that coldness can also help them to relax them so these are all different management we use to calm them down when they're having a LTB so you have all these things in your book you can administer antibiotics you can administer the Heliox Heliox is combined with Helium and O2 it can be prescribed for the patient it reduces the work of breathing and also airway turbulence uh, it helps to relieve airway obstruction all oh, this is not in your book you have in your book the various O2 delivery systems you have the advantages disadvantages then you have bronchitis you have bronchitis in here you have bronchial or you have uh, bronchiolitis and RSV RSV is the respiratory syntaxious virus these are in your book sometimes you get a book you don't read them these are all important important things in the book and if you do not know these things you want to go to the book and read them I always ask you that when we do a class go to the book and read the class and read what we did from your book it helps you a lot because a lot of things in the book I, 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 I do not refer I, I, I don't talk about because I know you have the book so what you don't have in the book is what I'm going to always present to you in this class so when you don't the test when you don't you don't the class you want to go back and review these things in the book then you have um then you have pneumonia on here you have pneumonia pneumonia has different types you have the viral pneumonia is the it, it occurs more frequently compared to bacterial pneumonia um you have the, the, the primary pneumonia you have bacterial pneumonia you have aspirational pneumonia there are different kinds of pneumonia and different symptoms you want to look at the symptom for each one of these pneumonia and know what are the most important things you want to look at um then you have um you also have asthma in here uh which you have more nursing management for asthma compared to what we did in the class then you have um cystic fibrosis also in here you will have additional nursing tips for cystic fibrosis which are very important you have all these tests you do and then you have foreign body aspiration which, you want, which is also important in the anger which is a, which is an emergency condition foreign body aspiration um you have a fba foreign body aspiration for the ankles um this is a risk for children who put things into their mouth into their nose it get this or uh, it get dislodged and stays stays there for longer time it causes um some other airway obstruction it is most commonly of, uh, found in children who eat like hot dog candies peanuts popcorn and grapes so children who are like uh, below the age of seven these type of foods are not encouraged to provide for them um they are ready for choking gacking coughing and there will be generalized retraction of the airway system they're going to become cyanotic they will have strider they will cough they will have hoarseness and they're going to have dyspnea then you have tb in children everything is in the sunders you have tb um how do we treat it for children what are the tests done for children now there, there we have 
different way we treat them for children compared to adults. It is in your book, you look at it, and it is important to know how to treat these conditions in your book. Any questions?